0: Hello, this is Bill Beekman, Michigan State University Vice President and Director of Athletics uh, with uh, this edition of MSU today. And uh, today I'm very excited to have the opportunity to welcome Barb Kranz, who's the Director of Facilities Planning and Space Management at Michigan State and a person who uh, many people at the univ- outside the university uh, may not be familiar with, but but I can assure you that everybody inside the university knows Barb's name because she's the point person on all issues related to space. And space is uh, a very critical issue at a university. And uh, so Barb, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about the role that uh, that facilities planning and space management uh plays at the university, what, uh, what that office does and what you do?
1: So overall, uh, facilities planning and space management, um, we report jointly to the provost and um, the EVP for administration, and uh, certainly work close with the president and others in accomplishing our work. Um, we have 18 colleges on campus and um, many support units and departments within that. And people need places to work. Um, we need to make sure we have classrooms for our students and other instructional spaces. Again, we collaborate with um, RHS Residential Hospitality Services and Athletics. We look for ways to coordinate and leverage our space resources, and not only that, but um, financial and uh, human resources. Again, as we bring people together um, in our with our Um, facility resources we have policies and protocols procedures that we develop to help ensure our space resources are are used as best as they can be Um, we work on barrier-free planning for the institution Um, and, and MSU has a long history of that and I can talk a bit about that later Um, teaching and learning spaces. uh, Again, I mentioned classrooms, and it's broader than that. We have um, work that our students need to do, um, whether that's in a research lab, we need to make sure we can accommodate that. And we facilitate the whole capital planning process for the institution. And again, we work closely with our partners, our colleges, our infrastructure planning and facilities group as well.
0: Well, Barb, one of the things that I've always found really interesting about the work you do, is that it's uh, everything is collaborative. That uh, it's you know when, when you're the person responsible for all the facilities, you know oftentimes uh, there's very there's very little space that's unoccupied. Uh, so much of the space somebody's in it. So if you're trying to uh, find space for a new researcher who's coming to campus or or a new faculty member. You know, there there's oftentimes a lot of uh, sort of dominoes that have to fall into place, and maybe moving a person to make make space available for another person, or 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 accommodating another research project, or what have you. And uh, and and you were a person that I worked with very early in my career. We uh, we had a, a a health colleges group that included uh, the College of Human Medicine when I was the assistant dean there. Uh, along with the colleges of osteopathic medicine and nursing, and uh, and the health team, and 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 veter- veterinary medicine as well, and um, and and I've always thought that that group was one of the one of the best committees I ever worked on. And sometimes people at the university would scratch their heads and say, uh, "Really, really around space because it's such a controversial issue, but uh, and, and it can be very very challenging." But um, but but that was just such a good group of people that trusted each other, and uh, and I think really represented what's uh, in some ways best about the university in terms of uh, collaboration and and crossing boundaries from colleges and working uh, one college working to support another and that kind of thing. Um, does that does that kind of thing still go on? And and how are how do you work through solving problems and, and space-related issues?
1: You mentioned the, the committee, and that was, um, it's still in place. And matter of fact, it has been so successful that over the years, um, we now have uh, five or six of these committees um, that, I believe, um, serve our campus very well. It has made my job um, easier, frankly, um, while, while it's all, we don't always agree to everything. But as you mentioned, people build trust with these teams. Um, I believe they support our programming well. And um, again, like I said, we've, that one is still in place. And uh, um, we have a range of them from one that's in our set up for our most recent research building that opened the interdisciplinary science and technology building. Um, We have um, one for molecular plant sciences. And again, these are typically um, the associate deans from the colleges participate and my office. And then if we need to bring in others, we can do that. But we build an understanding um, around the needs, not just for a particular college or department, but across uh, the institution. And I would say it's mirrored as we look at how on the research side, for instance, where grants are now typically submitted with teams of people, and so if we follow that, it became very important, as the colleges and the provost and um, VP research and others, that that collaboration and in interdisciplinary multidisciplinary work of of our faculty and staff and supporting students um, that that actually then manifested itself in our space. And so, um, again, these committees have been key to that. Um, we've even have a, um, campus wide research committee, um, that is looking all across programs and the research uh, priorities, and then connecting that back to our planning for space going forward.
0: We have, we have so many, um, different kinds of space on campus and we have a, a lot of space that, uh, uh... Uh, that's coming online we have um uh the the stem building is one obvious example which is the uh the building that really wraps around the uh the former power plant that sits at the uh i guess it's the southeast corner of the stadium to provide some some perspective on where it is but we're also uh, a very recently uh, completed a, a building that sits in well what used to be the parking lot of the clinical center an additional research building and so what uh what's uh you know, what are what what will go in those buildings and uh uh yeah presumably research in the research building but are there particular departments or colleges that that'll be focused on and then and then walk us through a little bit of this really fascinating stem building it's it's fascinating both in terms of its design its construction um but also uh it's It's utilization and and how how we think it'll it'll be used by our our faculty and students
1: so a few minutes on the on the research side um so the reference to um, by the clinical center, so what we've um over a period of I'd say about ten years or so is part of the um, commitment to growing our research um portfolio the development and focus on biomedical research is really what's um, the overarching theme, if you will, um, in that neighborhood by the clinical center. Um, So the bioengineering building that opened um, about three, four years ago, it supports the Institute for Quantitative Health Science and Engineering. Um, But that, and that institute um, has, mainly faculty coming from human medicine, engineering, and the College of Natural Science. And so that its home is in bioengineering, but it reaches out to faculty and other colleges um, outside of its walls, if you will. The new interdisciplinary science and technology building that opened in fall of 19, um, it has colleges from human faculty from colleges in human med, nat sci, uh, vet med, osteopathic medicine, and the College of Social Science. And again, there was um, the programs within that precision health, uh, there's a computational area, reproductive and developmental sciences, and then neuroscience, uh, both behavioral and physiology. So you can start to see in terms of the collaborative nature, there's a lot of work on the front end while the um, as part of the building planning, focused around who will go there and how we um, take these various pieces and bring them together to gr- create something greater and to leverage, use the space as a tool, if you will, um, to support the programs.
0: Well, and Barb, before you talk about the STEM building, let's stay on research for a second because I think one of the you know one of the fascinating developments that's occurred over the years at least from my perspective is when i started my career at michigan state uh, most of our research had, researchers had designated lab space that they owned it was it was their their room essentially and and there was a you know there was a door on it to a hallway and and when they left for the night they locked the door and that was their lab or their set of labs and the thinking around uh, laboratory research has really evolved such that uh, our, our laboratory space in Grand Rapids and and much of the space we've built here on campus in East Lansing is really far more open. So the, the laboratory benches that one faculty member has are in a huge room adjacent to laboratory benches that the other faculty have, such that there are greater opportunities for synergy, collaboration, sharing of ideas, sharing of equipment, all those kinds of things. Could you talk about that evolution a little bit and how that's impacted your work?
1: Yeah. Um, so that, that is correct. And the first uh, building actually that we did on campus um, in that model where, um, as you described, it's an open, open lab. Um, multiple faculty are placed in there. Um, it's at the molecular plant science edition. So focused on plant science research um, on one level. Um, so it, The ability to, um, if someone's space need grows or is actually can compress, um, we would anticipate that the the cost to do that and the time frame to make that change in terms of an infrastructure would be minimized. Um, We are we do spend I would say more time on the front end again working with our faculty, our departments, and colleges. On the space policies, if you will, or um, criteria of how we place people, and again, thoughtfulness around um, their work, um, looking at their team sizes even more closely, and um, and then continuing to meet with the the representatives from the units on a uh, going forward that we don't move people in and then walk away. So these. These committees that are in place that we spoke about earlier are really key to that. They provide a voice, I would say, for not only at the dean's level, but to allow the conversations to go to the department chairs and the faculty and and, and back and forth. And um, to leverage sharing of equipment, we have discussions about that to look at uh and talking with the faculty and so forth about what can we share. So maybe we don't have to buy three of a very expensive microscope, for example. And we've also um, just one last comment in terms of how things have evolved in these newer buildings with the open spaces. Um, we actually don't assign them in the traditional way that you would have seen, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um the, the faculty member is allocated space, and they have it for whatever period of time. And where there's a, excuse me, a commitment, we're not going to, you know, just move someone out at at a short notice. That's all very thoughtfully managed um, and carefully managed.
0: It's fascinating to me that the, um, yeah, how we think about space has really evolved. In a manner that's consistent with, or you know, I don't, I don't know which which is the cart and which is the horse, but but in in the way that that we think about research has evolved, and, and how how we think about about how we conduct research and research infrastructure, and how all those things have evolved over the years, and so you know, back when I when I started in in the College of Human Medicine, you had r o ones that were very uh, grants that were very independent and they were they were really based on on individuals and more and more as research has evolved the grant uh, funding agencies have looked more at at collaborative opportunities and and opportunities for people to work together and uh, and that 's allowed us to to think about how we structure ourselves and and create more collaborative opportunities and as you say you know it's it's not just uh things like talking over the bench between people but uh but it's also being able to share equipment sometimes to share staff uh but but probably most importantly to share ideas and then and then as as people work collaboratively uh sometimes with people very very in, in very different fields than themselves then uh, ideas germinate and grow, and uh, and we get new and exciting research opportunities. But it's it's interesting to see how that that philosophical sort of shift over the years at the uh, the National Institutes of Health and National Science Foundation and other major funding agencies has has turned into uh, a, a shift in how we think about space and facilities and how we buy equipment and how we house people. And uh and it all sort of evolves in an interesting way together. So that's uh to me that's really really cool. Um so so tell us about the STEM building and uh this sort of new huge interesting structure that's popped up on both sides of the uh the old power plant. And and people may not know that uh that, that was uh that was the university's main power plant uh before the uh the Simon power plant on Service Road was built. And you know, a few years ago, we we took down the, uh, well, now it's probably a decade or more ago, we took down the smokestack uh, that had the MSC there that you could see from the stadium because it had become unsafe, and so we had to have that removed. But then the building sat largely empty, and there were big pieces of power plant machinery inside of it and such, but, uh, but it sat empty for many, many years until... Uh, until the, the notion came about that it'd be the perfect location for a, a really exciting, interesting academic building. Uh, and, and it's, it's a great location in so far as it, as it sits uh, so, so centrally in our campus. So yeah, tell us about what's happening there.
1: I start always saying there are so many, I feel like there are so many stories around the STEM teaching and learning facility. So uh, I'll try to touch on a couple of them. Um, and as you said, the, the former power plant, it has been empty for many, many years. There had been over, over a period of time interest, um, and then the sort of things sort of would, would be looked at, and then it would go away. Um, but then this idea of the STEM facility, and I'd say a convergence of things. Um, the campus, we have a number of faculty have been involved, still are involved in uh, research, some funded by the NSF National Science Foundation, around um, improving uh, student learning, student outcomes in the STEM disciplines. So that had been going, uh, had like I said, had been still is continuing to go um, going forward. And as we continue to make investments in um, teaching and learning facilities, we were understanding when you put those things together around what's the best way for student teaching and learning, there were things we simply could not accomplish even with renovations of existing facilities. And so the notion, and then also um, both locally and state and federal level in terms of um, an acknowledgement and support and efforts being made to um, have more students in the STEM disciplines to persist in those disciplines. So all these things converged, and again, around program and supporting our students. And that resulted in um, moving forward and bringing forward a, a development of a facility to support that. Um, so in terms of the, um, back in this collaborative um, notion that we've talked about around the research side, As we began the planning, um, we spent, I would say, a year or more engaged with um, colleges, natural science, engineering is involved, and College of Arts and Letters. um, Those are the three primary. Lyman Briggs also participated as well, um, where we had two of our associate, former dean and associate dean, um, working with faculty, to understand um, what it would take and what what would a curriculum and instruction and spaces look like in a new building, and then that moved forward into bringing together again colleges and those colleges and departments that have the gateway courses in chemistry, um, computer science, um, material science, and physics and those in, um, in particular, and working with um, architectural and engineering consultants. We even brought in um, a design thinking firm uh, to have a different um, lens by which we would do some of our planning and to create some, look at ex- creating experiences um, within the facility. So, as that moved forward, um, and we also submitted the project. Uh, as our capital outlay request to the state of Michigan and we were successful to um, having support uh, from the state of Michigan which the the state is contributing 30 million to the project. Um, As we launched into the actual planning and um, the site location it was initially conceived to be a, a standalone adjacent to the power plant and did not have the power plant as part of the project. Um, and thinking that further downstream, we might be able to incorporate that. And as the planning progressed, um, the idea was floated about actually incorporating that into the project and there was support for doing that. And so we have this convergence of the old and the new. Um, and I think again, people will, when the building is done, um, I just, the, um, I think there will be something great there, both in terms of the program and the facility. Um, and then talking about that further, the new the new um, structure, which is uh, both anchoring on both the north and south side of the power plant, is using mass timber construction. And that in and of itself has generated significant interest. Our uh, Department of Forestry and the College of Ag and Natural Resources is actually quite involved with that and working with their industry partners. They're looking at um, some research and teaching opportunities. Um, There's potential, I believe, some economic development um, potentially with uh, the timber industry in the state.
0: And Is this the first building that we've constructed that way?
1: That is correct.
0: Just to drive by, it's very interesting to see all the timber framing.
1: Just to touch base a little bit on that, the timber, um, the level of precision, and I can't give you the, the number, but the tolerances are extremely uh, small. It's, this, it's manufactured um, off-site, uh, brought, brought here to campus on-site, and then assembled. That's actually led to some of our uh, construction partners where they have been able to assemble some of the duct work um, off-site and bring larger pieces and then install it. So there's, there's things people are learning, they're adjusting um, their construction methods, and we've, we've had a lot of interest uh, from external um, company, companies, contractors, design firms, um, actually, coming to the site to look at um, the facility, so I think that will continue, and I would anticipate and would hope that we have lots of interest uh, both both on the program, um, and the delivery uh, curriculum changes that will be put in place when we bring the building online, as well as all the construction components.
0: So that's that's a building that's probably going to be done in the next six months or thereabouts, but. What, are there other uh, other things in the hopper maybe where uh, where we we haven't uh, you know, we haven't put the shovel in the ground yet things that uh, that uh, that you can you can tell us about coming attractions
1: on campus so the so the one I would like to to note is that the President Stanley and the Board of trustees um, we have been are very supportive, and we are engaging in a feasibility study for a multicultural center for the campus. Um, It's in its early stages, um, but we we will be undertaking a feasibility study. So there is a website um, that if if individuals are interested to learn more about the development of the project, um, it's MCCETER, MC for multicultural center. Msu.edu. Um and there's a lot of information and that's an active site so that like I said it's in a feasibility uh, phase right now we're just launching that a um, lot of student engagement and anticipate um, that the consultants along with the planning group will engage the community in, in further discussion and planning.
0: Well and that's one of the things Barb you mentioned the sort of the feasibility and planning I think that uh uh, th- that people may not appreciate, and it certainly was was fascinating to me. Maybe, maybe somebody that has has built their own home kind of gets the flavor of it. But uh, I remember back when we were uh, <coughs> excuse me. I remember back when we were uh, working on a project in the College of Human Medicine, and uh, we were we were going to build out a very big open space in what was the, essentially the basement of the radiology building as student study space. And the, uh, when you think about the project, uh, again, it was an already constructed building. We were just sort of building out a space within it and, and probably, uh, probably half of the time of the project or more was really in the planning and, uh, and talking to the various constituency groups and, and learning what the students needed and how they wanted to study and what spaces would accommodate them, how the, uh, how the faculty would use the space to help teach students, even how, uh, the, uh, our, our, our facilities, uh, planning folks, our, 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 our IPF team would clean the facility and then act issues of security and access and, and all those kinds of things that, that you have to talk about and, and, and understand and collaborate on, uh, before the, uh, you know, before the first actual, uh, construction person comes in and starts building a wall or removing a wall or what have you. And uh, and so that's obviously a huge piece of every project and and something that you're involved in sometimes for years before a shovel even hits the ground.
1: So Bill, so thank, thank you for uh, kind of going back around to that. Um, we'll often talk about, um, to your point, sometimes these projects so I've been I've been on campus almost 35 years and there have been some projects that have I'll say projects have been on in discussion on and off for it could be 10, 10, 15 years. And the need still is there. And maybe the project or its purpose or need has changes over time. Um, but to your some of your comments, um, it is a lot. We spend a lot of time in my group. Um, listening, asking lots of questions, really trying to understand uh, the the purpose and what people what um, the people or the program what they're trying to accomplish, and that when the when the project, if you will, the actual whether it's a renovation, a construction, a reassignment of a couple spaces to, to support something, that when that is done, um, that we have. Um, met the, what I again refer to as the program intent that they can deliver, whether that's instruction, whether it's student meeting space, um, the research um, that we, that we have done a good job of, again, flushing out um, what it is that um, is important and why they need whatever that facility or space might be. And that as that goes moves forward um, that we've identified and, and gathered up and conveyed to the arch- architectural and engineering uh, people that have to translate that and put that on paper so that it can be built, whether that's, again, a new construction or a renovation. And as you say, at the end, that the, the card access is right, that the, the spaces can be cleaned and maintained. Um, And we, um, there's also one thing I didn't mention that people probably don't know. My office does keep track of um, every room on campus in terms of, is it an office? And if it is an office, who's sitting in that office? So um, that's important to planning. And um,
0: well, and Barb, you raise an interesting question. So I, or an interesting point that, that takes me to, uh, to the first of, of the two last questions I want to ask you, and, and these are sort of more fun questions, but uh, uh, we we talk about office space versus academic space, and, and it caused me to think that there are just uh, so many very, very different spaces on our campus. We have various levels of research laboratories, but we also have... Uh, you know, swimming pools. We have four swimming pools on our campus. We have uh, athletic spaces, uh, spaces. Uh, we have many kitchens to provide food service. All, all you know, just a sort of an almost unlimited sort of functionality. You know, over at the police department, we have a holding cells. So we, we. I don't know that I'd call it a full functioning jail, but we have space to hold somebody and detain someone if we have to. All those different kinds of functionalities that we have. What is the um what's the most interesting space you've come across?
1: Oh, the most interesting <laughs> or 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 weird or or something that maybe people wouldn't think exists
0: on our campus.
1: Well, before I answer that if I may, I would the I if I can take that a little bit different, I'll come back to that. The um working at a place like Michigan State is what because of its breadth, of to your comment of the whole range of things that we we support and um, the people that we get to interact in, um, I find makes it's one of the reasons I believe I've I've been in my role as long as I have. It's um, fascinating, um, and actually, um, when you ask the, it's I would say the some of the research that we do and the types of spaces that we have to have to support that um, might surprise people. And um, I think of Giltner Hall, for example, just because, and, um, and people might say, well, goodness sakes, for those of us familiar with Giltner Hall, um, the breadth of research that goes on there with, um, but we have scorpions there and we have so we have specialized to do work with mosquitoes and work with all sorts of
0: if I recall we have eel tanks over there, don't we
1: uh we may we probably have eels we have octopus now at bioengineering so um, the spaces might not be um, look odd we have all sorts of fish t- fish tanks for all sorts of cold water fish uh, Freshwater fish, warm water fish, so more of the range that again, and from a the breadth of the campus and from a space planning um, perspective, it it offers challenges but opportunities and um, just to know the, the the range of work that our people do on campus.
0: It is truly amazing the the depth and breadth of of research that we do on campus. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, issues that, that surprised me when, when you're building a research building that, uh, that needs very strict tolerances relative to vibration, for example, and we have to worry about construction because we've got railroad tracks on our campus and, uh, and what, what vibration effect might have might those tracks have on research projects that we want to conduct in that building. And, you know, things like that that I just would have would have never dreamed of before becoming engaged in this process. So let me ask you one last question, and that is uh, uh, of all the well, and I'll answer it myself first. But uh, of all the favorite spaces, uh, of all the places on campus that we have, I'm curious what your favorite space is, and uh, in my favorite space, uh, of course, I. I thought of this question, so I had some time to reflect on it, and I'm putting you on the spot. But uh, but my favorite space I, I, I thought about was, uh, was the library. And uh, whether I was in high school or as an undergraduate student or, or later uh, doing research uh, involving my work at the university, I've always enjoyed hanging out at the library and just sort of wandering around, looking in the stacks. Uh, the The sort of just imagining the amount of knowledge and wisdom that's in that single building in, in the in all of those books and computer materials and other things has always sort of been astounding to me and so it it's always been one of my most favorite places on campus but as a person who's who's probably one of the very few people that's been in in every building on our campus and probably darn near every room on our campus what's your most favorite space
1: well i'd have to say um there are a couple and they're both um, actually lobbies um, at the auditorium building, both on the main auditorium side and on the Fairchild theater side.
0: And those are beautiful spaces. Yeah.
1: I believe they're beautiful spaces. So if people have not seen them when, when our campuses, when we're um, able to move around more, more freely here um, would encourage folks to take a look at them. The North Kedzie lobby. Is also I find that very beautiful as well. So I would say those are three of my uh, favorite spots of of all of our uh, spaces on campus.
0: My the first time my kids walked into the North Kedzie lobby, they said, "Well, this this feels like Hogwarts, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's got this sort of very gothic uh, castle like feel to it that really is is cool. It's it's a pretty neat space. Well. Barb, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us today. Uh, I've always really enjoyed working with you. You have one of the more challenging jobs on campus and, uh, and, and one of those jobs where if everything goes right, uh, uh, sort of nobody knows who you are. And, uh, and yet you're the glue that holds so much of what we do together because it's not, it's not possible for research to occur w- without a research lab. It's not possible for teachers to teach and students to learn without classrooms that that have comfortable chairs and, and sight lines that work and and all of those myriad details that people can't even imagine that uh that you spend the day and night worrying about. And uh and so you're you're one of the, the, the great citizens of our university and uh and and a person I'm very happy to call a good friend. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, and, uh, and we really appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you, Bill, um, and I've appreciated working with you over all these years as well, and uh, thank you for your your kind words.